Gotta love those too. Hey, I'm Pastor Mark, and this is E3, and we have been doing E3 at the movies, and I gotta tell you, out of all the movies, uh, when we looked at all these movies, this was the one that I was so excited about, and I was just really excited to watch it, and then when we found out that they weren't releasing it uh, uh, until December, I was, I was upset to be honest with you, and I was like, oh man, and, and I actually did some research why they postponed it. The reason they postponed it is they think that it's so good that it has Oscar potential, so that's why they put it back to December for a better Oscar spot. So, uh, like things that, that go sideways, and I often do, in uh, uh, kind of what Ray Kroc was talking about, persistence, I wasn't going to let the little fact that the movie wasn't released, uh, so we couldn't do uh, E3 at the movies and the founder. So uh, I picked up Ray Kroc's uh, autobiography and uh, called uh, called up Eric and, and Shana, or not Shana, um, Lori, and I said, what do you think if we just did E3 at the bookstore? <laughs> They're like, and basically how most of these conversations go, eventually persistence wears resistance. And uh, hey, guess what? It's E3 at the bookstore. So, uh, so which is really, really fun and really cool. So, uh, the McDonald's is one of those things that that is so intertwined in in our culture and American culture and now world culture, and it's really a phenomenon. And you know, I haven't eaten at McDonald's probably in over a decade. I, I just, I mean, I'm not a McDonald's fan. Uh, there's lots of practices that McDonald's that, that go against my uh, values and, and things like that. But you cannot argue that, that Ray Kroc developed something really amazing. And, and I think it, it really kind of fosters that question, at least when I read his book, this question that I think that all of us are faced with, and it's what do you want? What do you want in this life? Now, I learned a lot of things when I, when I read the book, and then I did some research and actually came across 15 uh, facts that you may or may not know about McDonald's, but I think it's hard for us to really think about the magnitude of the impact that Ray Kroc and McDonald's has had on, on the world. So I wanted to go through uh, 14 of those 15. Number one, McDonald's daily customer traffic worldwide is 62 million. It is greater than the population of Great Britain. I mean, right? I, that is absolutely uh, just amazing. Number two, uh, McDonald's sells more than 75 hamburgers every second. I mean, just like, that's a lot of hamburgers. Next. Counting $32 billion in revenue from franchise stores, McDonald's claims the 68th biggest economy in the world. If there was McDonald's land, it would be number 68, right before Ecuador. This one, uh, McDonald's hires around 1 million workers in the U.S. every year. Now, the interesting thing is their turnover rate is 150 you think that's a nice place to work? It, it, probably not, you know. But 
Uh, it's interesting. And then this one, according to the company's, uh, company's uh, estimates, one in eight American workers have been employed by McDonald's. Who here has actually worked for McDonald's? All right, well, we, you know, about four or five people have, have worked for uh, McDonald's. This is kind of interesting. Big stars uh, like Shania Twain, Jay Leno, uh, Rachel Adams, and Pink even uh, has worked at McDonald's. This next one actually makes me really sad. No, not this one. <laughs> McDonald's is the world's largest distributors of toys with one included in 20% of all sales. That's in the Happy Meal. You know, you think about McDonald's, you think about hamburgers, but you don't think, holy cow, that they're the largest toy distributor in the world. The next one makes me sad. This one. The McDonald's icon, Golden Arches, is recognized or are recognized by more people than the cross. 88% of the people in the world can recognize McDonald's uh, arches, where only 54% of the people, of people in the world can recognize the cross as the Christian cross. Let that sink in a little bit. This one's kind of fun. The Queen of England owns a McDonald's. <laughs> It's part of her portfolio, you know, you want to supersize that? And uh, in the next three years, McDonald's is going to open one restaurant a day in China. Boom, boom, boom. That is really, really fast. And then uh, we don't have this, but McDonald's delivers in 18 countries. So you can get your, uh, your, big, your big Mac and, and all that. And I think this is the, the last one. This is just the impact of, of McDonald's. The only place in the lower 48 that is more than 100 miles from a McDonald's is a barren plague plain in South Dakota. That is a lot of McDonald's. That is a lot of McDonald's. Gosh, these just keep coming and coming. Okay, and the last, uh, we'll make this the last one no matter what. Uh, Americans alone uh, consume one billion pounds of beef at McDonald's in a year. Five and a half million heads of cattle go uh, to this, to this uh, thing. And so there's no doubt by, by any kind of uh, metrics or measure of... of basically impact into culture, uh, that, that McDonald's has, has impacted the world culture in ways that are unfathomable. That, that what Ray Kroc did when he was selling milkshakes and things like that, and when he came across McDonald's and, and something uh, stirred inside him at the age of 52 years old, that, that something changed in him. He went from somebody who was basically um, just really struggling and going along, and, and he went and, and ended up, uh, uh, as of right now, that there's thir over 38,000 McDonald's in, in the world. And, and McDonald's would not be McDonald's without Ray Kroc. And I was thinking about this question, you know, especially as reading the book that uh, his autobiography, which is really quite sad because I think it, it, it's a story of, of somebody who was really misdirected uh, and who was really talented and really passionate, but uh, perhaps 
even though he left a major legacy, perhaps uh, his, his legacy is not what he would have it be if he started out and really thought about that, especially if he was a follower of Christ. There's one quote in the book that, that he says, he's like, I don't know what your religion is. They're all the same to me. You could like Christianity. You could read the Quran. You, you could be a Buddhist. But the church that I worship at is at the Golden Arches. And what Ray wanted really from, from his earliest days, you know, uh, until his death, in the 80s, at 82 years old, was he wanted McDonald's to be the new American religion. And in a lot of ways, I think he succeeded. That, that he, is, he has changed the diet. He is, uh, you know, if you've seen any of the movies, you know, Supersize Me and all that kind of stuff, and just how America eats. And this is what he wanted, and this is what he gave his life to. And I was thinking about that, and I decided, you know, I was like, you know what? I wonder how many times in, in Scripture did God ask the question, what do you want? You know, what do you want to different people? And actually, I came up with, with several of them. Uh, uh, Jacob, uh, he was asked, what do, you, what do you want? He was asked by his uh, father-in-law, uh, Laban. And, and he was asked, what do you want? And Jacob said, I want to build wealth, that I, I want to build my own flocks. At that time, he was working uh, for him. And, and, he, and, and he said, sure, you can do that. And, and what you can do is you can have all the speckled sheep and goats in, in my herd. And so they made this deal, and, and, and Jacob was going to work for him and continue on. But then Laban uh, pulled a fast one on him and actually uh, took all the speckled sheep and moved them to uh, another ranch that uh, one of his relatives owned. So what Jacob did was that he, would, uh, he actually set up uh, some marking systems uh, in order to, uh, when the sheep would go down and drink water, that they would get marked up by a branch and things like that. And so he built his empire that way. And he wanted to riches, and he wanted, he wanted power. Solomon, one day, God asked Solomon, what do you want? And Solomon could have said riches, Solomon could have said a whole bunch of things, but he told God that he wanted wisdom, he wanted wisdom in how to rule. Josiah, who was king um, or leader of Israel, that he wanted dominance, and he wanted to control territories, and he was willing to fight for it. Esther, is, and we've gone through the book of Esther, Esther... Uh, wanted to save her people from genocide. That, that in the New Testament, we see uh, times that uh, people would cry out to Jesus, and Jesus would say, what do you want? And they would say, I want you to heal me. I want you to cure my blindness. I want you to have me walk again. In, uh, when he was calling the disciples that that. Uh, Peter and, and John, 
or Peter and James uh, uh, were asked, what do you want? And, and they responded, we want to follow the Messiah. Last week, Pastor Eric talked about Zacchaeus and, and what he wanted. And he wanted to see Jesus. And then finally, uh, asking the question, you know, what does God want? And the reality is that God wants to be in a relationship with us. And the truth is that even if you and I have not identified what our wants, we do have secret wants. We do have desires of things we want to see. Some of us, we want a family. For some of us, we want to be married. For some of us, we want to a large business. For some of us, you know, we want a thriving church. For some of us, you know, we want a promotion or we want a degree. There's all of these wants. And I think that the the critical question is once you identify that want, is asking the question, what are you willing to sacrifice for it? You see, Ray Kroc wanted to build the McDonald's church. Ray Kroc wanted to build this empire. And to be honest with you, it was really sad reading his autobiography. Uh, and just what he was willing to sacrifice. Ray Kroc sacrificed uh, his family. He was married four times, and literally the first three people he was married to just they didn't they didn't fit into that goal, and they were gone. The people that he started the McDonald's franchise with that that he moved that them them out. That he sacrificed his friends. He sacrificed his family. He sacrificed everything in order to build that empire. For ultimately, for him, you know, it was about the sale, and it wasn't so much about about the money or the power or or, or anything like that. But it was just, you know, what the 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 going for, for that sale, going for that next thing. And uh, in, the, in the trailer, uh, they, uh, uh, somebody asked him, you know, what, you know, how much do you need, Ray? How much do you need? Or will there ever be enough? And, and he's like, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. And there's a good holy thing about ambition But there's also, if you give yourself over to it, there's a great corrupting part of ambition. I've seen a lot of pastors who who want to have a large church. And, And you know what? That can be good. And that can be great. Larger churches can do a lot of great things, but larger churches, uh, to get to be a larger church, that sometimes pastors have to sacrifice and sacrifice things that are holy for things that are unholy in order to build that church. And that's when ambition goes wrong. That uh, when people are willing to sacrifice their their relationships and the human element for their ambition, that that is when that ambition goes to the south. And I think just asking this question... You know, that, that really these three questions that we're going to talk about today build on is you, what do you want and what are you willing to sacrifice for it? That we see with, uh, 
with Jacob that Jacob was uh, willing to sacrifice his integrity. And what happened uh, along the line was this was just another pattern of, of him cheating and lying his way to accumulate wealth. You know what? Uh, Solomon was willing to uh, sacrifice his uh, TVA, uh, TVA that, that he was willing to take himself from being naive about certain situations and actually to open himself up to the wisdom of God. And as Pastor Eric was talking, when a leader gets better, everybody benefits. And he was willing to sacrifice that. That Josiah, in order to, to have his dominance and to prove that he was in control of his territory, you know what he did? He sacrificed his life for that. That Esther, in one of the most beautiful stories of a person uh, putting themselves out there to save their people, that she saved, or she gave up her security. She gave up her safety. She could have been quiet. She could have stayed off to the side, but she wanted to save her people. And I think a lot of times this is what it really comes down to is, you know what? You can choose safety or you can choose significance, but you can't choose both. And I think far too often we as the church and we as followers of Christ that we choose safety over significance in Christ and grabbing on to what he has called us to do. You know, one uh, Barmaeus who was one of the blind men that, that Jesus healed, uh, the story goes that that Jesus was going and there was crowds following him and, and he heard the ruckus and he asked somebody, who is that? He says, Jesus, and he had heard about Jesus. And basically all he had to his name was this one coat. And he was a blind man and he was, and he was, and he was a beggar and he had, a, he had an opportunity to connect with, with, uh, with Jesus. And he had the security of his cloak and he had a, he had a choice to leave the security of his, of his cloak or take the chance and, and come to Jesus because maybe Jesus would take pity on him. Maybe Jesus would recognize him as a valuable human being and heal him. And I love the, the symbolism of him sacrificing his cloak as they tried to hold him back and he drops his cloak and, and would just blindly runs toward where he thinks Jesus is. And Jesus reaches out and he touches him and heals him and makes him whole. And I think so often that we hold on to security and we hold on to safety. And we hold on to those things that are good that we miss the best thing. And that is what God has called us to do. That I know it is scary. But when we get a holy vision, when we realize the calling that God has put on our lives, that, that we need to go forward and, and put behind us safety and move toward the significant calling that God has in our lives. And it is absolutely terrifying. I remember when I left the family business to come and, and start our church with my family, with a group of other people here. It was absolutely terrifying. 
But there came a point where I said, you know what? Am I going to follow God even if that's the Tallahassee? Am I going to step out and, and, and do this thing that I know that God has called me to do? Am I, am I going to settle for security? Am I going to settle for safety? Am I going to settle for the good? Or do I believe that the God of the heaven and the earth who created the, 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 the planets and the universe and, the, and water and, and trees that created man and woman and animals, that that God is strong enough to even use somebody like me to go out and be used for his significance and his grace. And I decided at that point with my, with my wife that, you know what, we would risk it. We would move. We would go and do this thing. You know, as you guys know, as I'm stepping down from being lead pastor of this church to, to uh, embark on, on leading Red Eye into its, its next chapter, let me tell you, it is terrifying, okay? This, there is a lot of safety in being the lead pastor of E3. There didn't used to be, but there is now. <laughs> and I tell you these things not to say, look at me. I tell you these things to say, you know what? I practice what I preach. And you know what? Just like, and I have zero doubt that God called me from Los Angeles to Tallahassee to start this church. But I also have zero doubt that God has called me to something different. And I believe with every ounce of my being that the church has to get smarter. It's got to get more entrepreneurial. We got to figure out new ways to engage our culture. And you know what? God has given us the gift of red eye. And for some, one reason or another, he has chose to pour his blessings out on it. And that it has been entrusted to our church. And I wholeheartedly believe that this is going to be one of the major instruments of, the, of not only our church, but the the Christian church in America and throughout the world that is going to be the engine that drives the gospel into the future. And you know what? I'm willing to bet everything on it. Because you know what? I want to be part of the significance of Christ in people's lives. And this is the next step. You know, you look at Zacchaeus, and Pastor Eric did such a great job just teaching about Zacchaeus last week. And, and you know, he wanted desperately to see Jesus. But he was too short, right? Either short, short in stature or, or just a wee little man, right? But he climbed up into a sycamore tree. And, you know, that, that's about as undignified then as it is now. You know, could you imagine like President Obama climbing up into a sycamore tree, you know? I mean, it's just dignified people don't do that. But he was willing to sacrifice his dignity in order for the opportunity to see Jesus. And then looking at God and God asking him what 
He wants and what He was willing to sacrifice to offer us a restored relationship with Him was that He was, off, he was willing to sacrifice His only Son. And there might be a lot of theological differences. There may be different ways of looking at things and making the world a better place. But there is one way, and I know this is a definitive statement, and I know a lot of you aren't comfortable with definitive statements, but here's the reality. If you want something and you identify that thing, it requires sacrifice. It was true for Jacob and Solomon. It was true for Esther. It's true for me. It's true for you. It was even true for God. So if you're sitting there and thinking, you know what, I can move forward without sacrificing anything, that I can have significance and, and be part and woven into the fabric of the story of God without sacrificing a thing, you are sadly mistaken, my friend. Because you are not better than God. And God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that none should have to perish, but they have the opportunity for eternal life. And this is not a call to be stupid. This is a call to say, you know what? I want what God wants for my life that's so much that I am willing to sacrifice the good in order that I can experience the great. And that is the significant calling that God has placed on my life. And that may mean that you lead the charge. That may mean that you come alongside another fearless leader who is, who is going forth. That your part may be intellect. Your in part may be giving money. Your part may be serving. Your part may be marketing. This is what I know. I don't know what your part is, but I know that each and every one of us has a part. And when the church binds together and works together for a compelling vision, the gates of hell cannot stand against it. We need to move forward. So the final question, the first question was, what do you want? And I hope each and every one of you take the opportunity to really figure that out this week. What do you want? Number two, what are you willing to sacrifice for it? And I can tell you if it's relationships, you're on the wrong track. And number three, what will change because of it, or is it worth it? Ray Kroc sacrificed three wives, his children, his friends, and changed the world. But was it worth it? Does it really matter that you can get a burger in 30 seconds or less anywhere in the world. In America, you don't have to drive over 100 
miles in order to get a hamburger from McDonald's. Woohoo! What are you, what will be different in this world? How will God be glorified? How will lives be changed? If you are willing to sacrifice the good and grab hold of the great. Solomon, by sacrificing being isolated and becoming wise has blessed generations and generations. We have all been blessed through the book of Proverbs, through Solomon's wisdom. You know what, Josiah, by sacrificing uh, his life uh, for his dominance, you know what he got? Dead. That was about it. Esther saved her people. The blind... Uh, Barmaeus gained Jesus. Andrew and Peter were woven into the very fabric of God's story and have impacted every person ever since, even us today. Zacchaeus gained salvation. And God's sacrifice blessed humanity. Now, I just want to touch on this one point about God's sacrifice because I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about what that sacrifice truly was. You know, a lot of times you think, you know, hey, sacrificing one person for, you know, the good of others, you know, that makes for good movie lines and things like that. And then I've even had conversations like, well, it was for three days. What's the big deal? I think one of the most powerful theological understanding of what actually happened on the cross is often missed. So many times we focus on the cross itself and the pain, which was horrific. But I think we all know that relational pain is much greater than any physical pain that we'll ever experience. Yes? And here's the reality. And this, this is the, the theology of the Trinity. That God is made up of three people. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. We know God is three in one. And I'm not going to try to explain that to you. I can't even explain it myself. It's a mystery of God and it's a beautiful thing. But God is known in community. God sees himself in community. That everything that God has created, he has created in community. And we know when things are not of God is things that are not of community. That God is God because God is the God of community. God is the God of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God is holy, absolutely pure. And what is not absolutely pure cannot be part of what is holy. You guys tracking here? What happened when Jesus was hung on the cross? He assumed all of our sins. Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus made himself sin. And when that moment happened, 
That was the first time in all of eternity that God, as the Trinity, community was torn apart. And the windows of heaven were closed. And you say, Mark, surely that is not really how it came out and how it happened. Oh yeah? Then why did Jesus on the cross yell out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God sacrificed Himself. He sacrificed His Son. He sacrificed perfect community for the opportunity for you and for me to experience a right relationship with God and a right relationship with people and a right relationship with His creation. You know what? That's what God wanted. God was willing to sacrifice everything for it. And how are things different in this world because of it? Well, I can tell you what, how things are different. The blind can see, the lame can walk, the hungry are fed, the lonely have community, and we have been redeemed and forgiven and have a glorious hope and future in, in, in store for us, for those of us who choose to follow Christ. And what's better than that is in that journey, we have the opportunity to affect the next generation and the next generation because what we do now will echo through the, the realms of eternity. What do you want? What are you willing to sacrifice? And what will change? Because of it. You guys pray with me.